Oma jana trumanandasya, jana jana salakaya, chakshuran militanyena tasma shi gurave namaha, panchakopitu vyascha, kripasindvivacha, patitanam pamane vyo vaishnaviju namo namaha. Srila Jiva Goswami Prabhupada Ki. So we'll continue this evening with our discussion on the Satsandarbhas of Srila Jiva Goswami. Specifically, we are beginning at the beginning, his Tattva Sandarbha, the nature of the various Tattvas and how we arrive at them. As we have been for an invocation, we will chant the verse which is his invocation to the entire Satsandarbha. This verse from the 11th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, revealing the mystery of uh, hidden, confidential manifestation of the Supreme Lord in this Kali Yuga. Krishna Varnam Tusa Krishnam Krishna Varnam Tusa Krishnam Sangopangastra Parsadam Sangopangastra Parsadam Yajjai Sankirtanas Prayar Yajjanti Hi Sumedasa In the age of Kali, intelligent persons perform congregational chanting to worship the incarnation of Godhead who constantly sings the names of Krishna. Although his complexion is not blacky, she is Krishna himself. He is accompanied by his associates, servants, weapons, and confidential companions. We are now into the section of Tatvats and Dharva dealing with epistemology, the nature of knowing, and specifically perfect knowing for a perfect object of knowledge. This section on epistemology is following after the Mangalacharna, and at the end of the Mangalacharna, in the last prayer of his Mangalacharna, Srila Jiva Goswami has revealed the, the goal of his presentation. Anacheda 9 explains those four items which were given in the eighth verse or the eighth Anucheda, which was the conclusion of the Mangalacharna. Four topics were suggested in the previous Anucheda. Sri Krishna as the subject, Visaya. The connection between him and the words of my presentation describing him, Sambandha, service to, to him, a turning of our consciousness and all of our facilities towards the Supreme, through bhajan, as a recommended process, abhideya, and pure love for him as the ultimate goal, prayojan. Now to understand these four, we should first determine the means of acquiring not valid knowledge, pramana. Then he goes on immediately to explain our human condition and the problem that we will have in trying to acquire perfect knowledge due to our human situation. Human beings are bound to have four defects. They are subject to delusion, they make mistakes, they tend to cheat, and they have imperfect senses. 
thus their direct perception, inference, and so forth. All knowledge derived from that pratyaksha, that sensory input, and all the knowledge derived from it are deficient, especially since these means of acquiring knowing cannot help them gain access to the inconceivable spiritual reality. So we've covered in detail these four defects. In doing so, we've also covered all the ten major knowledge-acquiring systems uh, that were prevalent uh, in Jiva Goswami's day and even up through this day, Indian schools of philosophy and theology. Ending that discussion with an understanding that it really boils down to just three methods of acquiring knowledge. Pratyaksha, the senses grab some input. Anuman, we arrive at some conclusion. We infer something from that sensual input. If this is that, then this is this. And Sabda. And the other seven, he says, can all be classed in these three. Pratyaksa, Anuman, Inference, and Sabda. Revealed sound knowledge. So he's made his case for the defects in perceptual knowledge and any inference of knowledge based upon those perceptions. And now he's going to go forward and put forth his conclusion that Sabda is the only valid way of acquiring knowledge in this human condition. We've touched upon this and we'll continue here from Anucheda 10, the Anucheda. Consequently, for us who are inquisitive about that which is beyond everything, which is beyond our sensual experience and beyond anything that we can, we know there's something beyond, we know there's more. We don't know quite what it is. We don't know where we came from. We don't know why we're here. And we don't know why we're different from everybody else. We have this body and other people have different bodies. And then there's animals and trees and birds and bees. And I mean, it, it's just why. And the whys start. The whys begin and, and the whys take up our lives. Why this? Why that? Why something else? So if we want to know what's the real, what's really of substance as far as knowledge, if we're inquisitive about everything beyond what is directly in front of us, yet is the support of everything, which is most inconceivable and wondrous in nature, direct perception, senses, pratyaksha, inference, and so on, are not suitable means for gaining knowledge. For this purpose, the only suitable means is the Vedas, the transcendental words that are existing without beginning. They have a characteristic. They are the source of all mundane and spiritual knowledge and have been passed down in Parampara. So there's a lot in this first Anucheda, where he begins to establish 
the, the significance of sabda sound as a valid praman, means of evidence, praman. Now, in his presentation and discussion of this particular Anucheda, understand that he not only gave us the Tattva Sandarbha, but he also commented, commented on his own Sandarbhas, at least the first four. The last two, the Anuchedas, is all that was given. But the first four, dealing with Sambanda, he himself gave his own commentary. So not only authored the book, but he commented on it. Just as Sanatan Goswami gave us Brihad Bhagavatam Rita, and then he gave us his commentary on his own Brihad Bhagavatam Rita. When the author gives you a commentary on what he's provided, that's, that's a wonderful thing. You know you can, he really can get into the understanding that he's trying to convey to you as the reader. So, Jiva doesn't fully discount sense perception, nor inference, arriving at a conclusion based on other knowledge. Uh, but he says these, this type of acquiring knowledge is not the most beneficial when it comes to approaching the absolute truth. And when we're looking to acquire knowledge of the absolute, they can be of subsistence, of assistance, provided they support the conclusions of Sabda. Now we'll see this later as we go more and more into this particular discussion this evening. So we understand the Vedas are, what do we say, the breath of God, directly spoken by Bhagavan, the Supreme Lord. Vedo Narayana Saksat. And they're Anadi Siddha, eternally existing, what does this mean? A nadi has no beginning. They're siddha, they're perfect. So perfect that what? So perfect that Brahma, the creator of a universe, can create the universe again and again perfectly. You understand? He's coming. And he's found himself on a lotus in the middle of nowhere. Doesn't know where he is, doesn't know how he got there, doesn't know anything about the creation. And he hears this transcendental sound, subda, vibration, subda brahman, tapa, and he begins his, his meditation. And from there, everything's coming. But that original sound is the same in every creation. So that's what we mean. It's eternally the same. The sounds do not change. And from those sounds, from the directions of the sounds coming to Brahma in his meditative trance and in his discussion with the Supreme Lord, 
Because remember, during that, all the Vedas came to Brahma. They were revealed to him within his heart. Tene Brahma Hrde Ya Adi Kavaye. The origin of the universe was conveyed to Brahma through, he was the original Kavi, Adi Kavaye, through his heart. Hrida. And from that, he knew, by hearing that sound vibration, in his samadhi, his trance, he was able not only to experience the spiritual realm, but also know, know how to develop the material realm. Exactly how is what? As it had been done before. The sound vibrations are the same. So he could immediately know how to proceed with the creation. And if we look to what Sabda Pramana, the evidence of Sabda sound, transcendental sound, gives us, there's only so much that we can perceive through our senses, Pratyaksha, and by inferring from those, from that kind of knowledge. But we don't, we can't know the nature of the Supreme Lord through, because he's not available to our senses. Atashri Krishna Namadi, Nabaved Grahamindriya. These material senses. We cannot see the Lord. We cannot perceive Him. Atashri Krishna Nabadi Nabaved Grahamindriya. These indriyas are not going to allow that knowledge. So we can have no knowledge of the Supreme Lord with the senses. We can't have any knowledge of any realms outside of our direct experience. So we're limited. We know, well, we're here on this planet. And there's only this planet that can support us. There's none other of a, than us. This whole universe revolves around us. The foolish, the foolish, they think this is it. This is Earth. This is the only place where humanity can live. And... Maybe there's life out there, but maybe there isn't. Maybe there is only us. And it's only recently that human thought has expanded to the point that they look out into the stars and say, maybe there is the slight possibility that there could be another environment like this environment that could support something like us. But it probably wouldn't have evolved like us, and then we get into a whole matter of speculation. Unending speculation upon speculation, argumentum infinitum, it just doesn't end, of the nature of being and the nature of us. So we can't know beyond what we directly see in our environment. We can't know anything about the supreme. We can't break into that barrier of knowledge. And what to speak, if there's a spiritual realm, what knowledge can we have of that spiritual realm? 
not possible. So this is what Sabda gives us. It gives us entrance into fields and areas of knowledge. We have no possibility of entering into. Another characteristic is the sound itself is what? Non-human. What do we, the word for that is a purusheya. It is sound, but it's not human sound. It's transcendental sound vibration. That isn't to say that we cannot vibrate it, but it's not, that source is not human. A purusheya. Now, modern scholars have a hard time accepting the Vedas as a Purusheya because they only, they are fully dependent on their own field of knowledge and their senses. So when you say, well, there's actually a source of knowledge outside of our perceptual knowledge, immediately their guard goes up. Well, it's a fantasy. You're talking about a fantasy world. And although these modern theologians, scientists, philosophers, they sit around and they wax about the fact that there's no possibility of Vedic sound being transcendental, transphenomenal, transhuman, although that's not possible, in their own respective fields of knowledge, they always go to a source, an older source, somebody that's more knowledgeable. Uh, so they'll accept that there's, in their own fields of knowledge, there's schools, but they will not accept when it comes to spiritual knowledge, there can also be schools full of of knowledge available. Um, and they have a hard time. They have their own authorities. But when, that, when, when someone comes forth and say, well, you are saying that the Vedas aren't acceptable to you, but let's look at history and look at some of the great, great scholars and saints in history that have accepted the Vedas. Patanjali, Sankaracharya, Ramanujacharya, Madhvacharya, Kapila, Srila Rupa Goswami. So these personalities accept the nature of the Vedas, a Purusheya, they accept that they're eternal, they accept that the sound vibration is transcendental. Are we so quick to dismiss their conclusion in this regard? Or should we explore deeper? At this point, Jiva Goswami takes it one step further. And he says, let's give it a chance. Take your guard down and give it a chance. Just for a few, a short time, imagine that it could be true. 
that there are transcendental sound vibrations of the Vedas and that they are a valid source of knowledge, a praman, and they come from a transcendental source. If you can, if you can do that, then you're, you become qualified to continue in this course of study with me. If you can't, then, well, if you can't take your shoes off at the door, you can't come in. If you can't set aside your egoic pre-conceived uh, hmm? pre notions, yeah. If you can't set those aside, you're not going to you're not going to be able to walk this path because this is where we start. We start with the acceptance of the Vedas as being transcendental sound vibration coming from a source beyond this world of perceptual understandings and logical inferences based on those understandings, those sensory perceptions. So we have to go beyond the empiricist line of thought in order to enter into this mystery. And then we come to the real roadblock. There's a key to unlocking the door and being allowed to properly hear, perceive, and understand these transcendental sound vibrations. They have to be heard in disciplic succession. They have to be heard from a guru. Otherwise, although they, they're transcendental, they will, they will not have the, the desired effect unless there is the hearing from a bona fide source. Example, just let's look at this with some logical understanding. It's like a sci the scientific community trying to display to a student the results of an experiment and leaving out key steps where you have to mix the oxygen with the hydrogen and then you have to put it in the incubator or whatever and, you know certain steps to reach a conclusion so the student can see how a specific part of material nature functions so they take it into the classroom, into the laboratory, and you run an experiment, and then the student can see, oh yes, if I mix this and this, I will get rain. And that's what happens in the skies. Or it's like taking medicine without the proper prescription from a doctor who's diagnosed your disease, and then even if you're taking the medicine under his, under his care, you're not following his direction to do the appropriate 
diet at the same time and wondering why isn't the medicine working. So some examples here of how the guru makes it work. He gives that he gives us entrance into the understanding of Sabda Brahman. If we look at all other fields of knowledge, and understand these are all logical presentations here to try to wrap our mind around what are the Vedas. If we look at all other fields of knowledge, through time, the understandings of those fields of knowledge have evolved. Any, you look at science, you look at medicine, you look at politics, you, look, you just look, wherever you look, the understanding within humanity of any particular field of knowledge has evolved over time. The Vedas are the same today as they were Anadi. The knowledge has not changed. And the, the caretakers of the Vedas are so strict that they will not even allow one syllable to be changed. Whereas in every other field of knowledge, the new replaces the old continually, perpetually. So this also is used as a way to, to, to look to the authenticity of the Veda as a Purushera coming from Bhagavan, Sri Krishna. In the Vedas, we will find statements that have been verified by science before science even got around to performing the experiments. Okay, for example, uh, cow dung, cow urine. The Vedas declared that they were medicinal and could be used, you know, without any concern, whereas all other excrement from animals is, is contaminating from the cow, it's purifying. Science has now verified that. Then we come to a little tricky thing. Now I know in going through all these arguments, it's, wow, you know, it seems so detailed. But if what we what we're what Jiva Goswami's doing and what we're doing by this presentation is we're not going to remember all this detailed knowledge. But we are gonna come away with the significant points. And they're gonna be well founded and well grounded in our consciousness. We know the arguments are there. If we need to get them, I know it's Kali Yuga, the brain doesn't remember. I don't remember what I did five minutes ago, but still, hearing and going over and reviewing the detail which, which, with, with which Jiva Goswami goes to get his point across and the logical arguments that he uses, it's, it's amazing. And it what? It increases our faith in, in the whole system.
So he now comes to, well, the Vedas say, because there's no other source than the Vedas, the Vedas say that they're eternal. They said they're perfect. What's the source of this? The Vedas themselves. Well, that's kind of in, in normal, we call that circular logic. Something proving the validity of itself. But when we look to the way the Vedas present themselves, if we had to go to another source to validate, right? To another source to validate the truthfulness and the position of the Vedas, then that source would be what? The Vedas. Would be greater than the Vedas. So then you'd have to validate that source. Well, Krishna doesn't need any validation. And in a similar way, his sound vibration does not require outside validation. It is perfect and complete in and of itself. Om Purnam Adaha Purnamidam. Everything coming from the Supreme is perfect and complete in and of itself. What's our comparison? What is that wonderful comparison when it comes to this, this Vedic knowledge? What do we call the Vedas? Mother. There is no other source. The mother knows best, and the mother knows who. If you want to know who your father is, there's only one source that can say beyond any doubt, the mother. So that's why the Vedas are called mother. In concluding this Anucheda, we look at the significance of the key. We end up again at the significance of the key. And where do we have proof of the significance of the connection with the guru to make entry into an understanding of the Vedas from the Veda themselves? Tasmad Gurum Prapajeta. Or so many. Acharya Mam Purusha Chandoga Upanishad. Mundaka Upanishad. And so many other references where. If you want to understand Vedic knowledge, you must go to the bona fide teacher. If we are not willing to do that, then Krishna puts us in our place. And he does that through his teachings to Arjuna in Bhagavad Gita. Naham prakasa sarvasya yogamaya samavrita mudoyam nabi janati lokamam ajam avyayam. I am never manifest to the foolish and unintelligent. For them I am covered by my internal potency, Yogamaya, Samavrita, Yogamaya. And therefore they do not know that I am unborn and infallible. You're covered by Yogamaya, not Mahamaya? Yogamaya, Samavrita. What else could cover Krishna? Oh, what he's covered, I was thinking you were covered. We are covered. But we're covered by Maha Maya in that it's Yoga Maya in contact, manifest in a different form. But from Krishna, Krishna only sees from one. So, what's covering Krishna? 
his internal potency. Atashri Krishna Navadi, Navavedgram. We can't we can't approach that potency with from the material realm, with the material senses. It can be revealed to us. And then we come back to Sabda Brahman. It's self-revealing. It's a revelation. It's not a, an exploration. Although it seems like we're going on a we're exploring. The fact is the knowledge is already there. Krishna is already there. Krishna is everywhere. He reveals himself to us as we surrender unto all of them as they surrender. Yayatama Prapanjante. I reveal myself. So similarly when we look to Subda Brahman, Praman, that that kind of evidence is revealed to us. It's not knowledge that's that we can that we can dig out of a book. It's revealed to us through service and surrender. Although it appears like we're studying a book. We're reading every day and we're studying and we're, you know, so it appears that way, but that's that's not the nature of bhakti. Nature of bhakti is what? She's completely independent. So Jiva Goswami's given us some logical explanations of what is truly just the nature of revelation from Sabda Brahman. Anucheta 11, he wants to confirm in this Anucheta the position of acquiring knowledge through the Veda as opposed to logical inference. And what's he used to prove it? The Veda. This is the Anucheta. The following scriptural statements confirm this conclusion, the conclusion that he's just given in 10. One, logic cannot provide final proof of anything, Vedanta Sutra 2, 1, 11. Two, one should not use logic to try to understand what is inconceivable, Mahabharat. Three, scriptures are the source of knowledge of the absolute truth, Vedanta Sutra. Four, this is confirmed by the Vedas because they are the source of knowledge of the absolute truth, Vedanta Sutra. And from Srimad Bhagavatam, O Lord, your Vedas, your Veda is the supreme guide for the forefathers, demigods, and human beings. By it, they can understand the objects beyond sense perception, along with the highest goal of life and the means of attaining it. So as final proof, now Jiva turns to the Vedas. So he used some logical inferences to get us to the point to see that it's, it makes sense that the Vedas can be a valid form of knowledge. Now let's rely on the Vedas themselves to prove their point. Because what's he trying? He's trying to get us in the habit of seeing everything goes back to what's being presented in the Veda. That's our ultimate pramana. Remember, Sabda is the ultimate pramana. That's his goal. Apurusheya Sabda. Sabda Apurusheya Pramana. So the Vedas are self-luminous like the sun. They can establish themselves as the infallible pramana. 
And then he gives us a, a hypothetical. Imagine all the greatest logicians, scientists, theologians of the past, present, and future all coming together. The greatest of all the empiricists of from the past, the present, and the future. All of them. any All that you could imagine. Imagine them all coming together and trying to arrive at conclusions regarding the nature of the absolute. It would be what would it be? It would be continual, just endless refute. One one person would put forth their argument, and that would be refuted. Another person would put forth their conclusion, that would be refuted. Endlessly, this would go on. There would be no end. But with the Veda, what do we have? We have sound knowledge. Sound knowledge. Sound knowledge. <laughs> in sound, and what is it? It's a naughty. It's beginningless, and it's endless. Actually, you use that word sound to mean something that's structurally stable. Yes, sound, good. Logic in and of itself is inconclusive. Tarka pratistanat is the Sanskrit for that. Logic in and of itself is not going to give you a conclusion. Both deductive and inductive reasoning are all based upon what? Sense perception. Pratyaksha. So how can we come to a logical conclusion that's valid if the senses we're using are what? Imperfect. We can't. Except when the conclusions they give us are what? Supported by the Veda, scripture, like cow's urine and dung being antiseptic. Then the perception reinforces what's in the scripture. And this happens again and again. You will find in the Veda all kinds of Ayurvedic formulas for the cure of disease. They arrived from the Vedas. They didn't arrive from a laboratory, you know, with the sacrificial lambs of the mice and the rabbits and the monkeys. But they are there in the Veda and they, they're perfect formulas for sound health and sound cures in human society. And there's also those inconceivable things that are revealed to us through Vedic sound, that are meant to give us some understanding of the nature of the Absolute. Take, for example, Krishna being a naughty boy and being bound by his mother. So she could not bind him. All the ropes, one rope, two ropes, all the ropes in in her home could not bind him, but he didn't get any bigger to to stop that from happening. He didn't expand. The sash around his waist was still there and perfectly worn by him. Krishna is giving some indication 
to us in our human form that he is inconceivable, that he is everywhere, but he can be localized. How could we arrive at this kind of in-depth understanding of the Supreme without transcendental sound vibration? That he can be unbound and then he can be bound. And the significance of those of those leelas, those pastimes, to what? To capture to capture us and what? Un- give us some intellectual understanding as much as is possible within the framework of our psycho uh, situation as to the nature of, of, of the absolute, his transcendental nature. Could we ever arrive at those understandings without some de Brahman is what is being conveyed here. Then he ends with a, a verse from the Bhagavad Gita where proper logic is put into perspective by Krishna himself. Sarganam adi antascha majjam chaivaham arjuna ajatma vidya vidyanam vada pravadatam aham vada the natural conclusion pravadatam of arguments. So the English is of all creatures I am the beginning and the end and also the middle. O Arjuna, of all sciences, I'm the spiritual science of the self. And then it comes to this part. And among logicians, I am the conclusive truth. So we can use logic to understand conclusive truth, but we have to see when we do that, what it is. It's Krishna revealing himself to us. Of all that the logicians have, Krishna is going to reveal himself as the conclusive truth. I am that understanding. I think I'll stop there since we're close to time. And the next uh, Anuchayda 12 gets into some, just a preview. Jiva is going to take us from looking at the Vedas as a whole. He's going to take us from the 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 whole Vedas as they've come down into cyclic succession from Brahma to Narda to Vyas. So he's going to take us and he's going to look at the whole Veda and he's gonna he's gonna hone in step by step to where he's gonna say of all the various Vedic knowledge there's one ultimate ultimate, ultimate Praman, Srimad Bhagavatam. It is the cream. In Srimad Bhagavatam, we will find all the conclusions of Vedic knowledge. So are there any questions about what we did discuss this evening? I just, uh, Maharaj, you said It's called a section. It's the actual literal translation. 
So in a section on Ucheda, he explains in that section a specific trend of thought. He conveys a specific idea to the reader. Anything else? And this is, we're still in the, is this the introduction? Or we're in epistemology yeah. now. Epistemology. First we had the Mangalacharna, which is your first eight Anucheta, and now we go through 9 through 18 is epistemology, which is the nature of knowledge. So systematically he's taking us, uh, he's made his prayers, his pranams, he's established the subject of his book, He's given some blessing to the reader. He's also done a couple other things in his Mangalacharna, which were what? Qualified his audience. Uh, that was all in the Mangalacharna. Now we're into epistemology. Okay, we want to know about the absolute truth. What can we depend upon to give us that knowledge? And he starts out with what we can't depend upon. And now we're getting into what we can, can depend upon. Transcendental sound vibration. How do we qualify that transcendental sound? What are its characteristics? How logically can we look at it? So we began tonight looking at logically, could it actually be that there's transcendental sound? All right, how can I enter into the mystery of that? Well, leave your ego aside and look at it. It's possible. Oh, but there's a key. There has to be disciplic succession and a guru. Oh, well, I don't know if I want a guru. But you look at all their oh, all their other schools of knowledge, acquiring knowledge, and what? They have their universities. You go to the university, you submit to the to the professor who's what? Your guru? And what's he done? He's had more experience. He has deeper knowledge. Oh, disciplic. It's that's the rub. Disciplic. Disciple. Discipline. Whoa. Wait, that means <laughs> then 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 the barrier goes up. But understand, you're wanting to go into the realm of consciousness and understand that, but you can't keep your foot over here in sensual things and also turn inward and go towards the heart if you're going outward. So the guru's going to try to put some regulations in place that allow you to see inward. It's nothing you can't handle. You should be able to handle it. You're going to gradually turn down the ego. So with that, I'll thank you for your association. Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavad Gita,